0: What is up? I am Miguel Antonio and this is the live and create podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. On today's episode, we have Emma Jo. Emma Jo is a singer songwriter based in Kansas City, Missouri. Her blend of country rockabilly and folk is irresistible to audiences of all ages. You can call it Americana, you can call it folkabilly, but either way you will be taken in by her powerful lyrics and her voice. In this episode, she shares her story of finding the love for performing as a young girl, and how that ultimately grew her into the performer she is now. She also continues to share the story of losing her father to suicide, how songwriting was part of her process for healing, and how that music went on to bring healing to many other people. We also dive into the songwriting process, the benefits of working with a talented producer, and how the tortured artist persona is a dangerous stereotype to chase after. It's a great episode. Enjoy. The Live and Create Podcast. Well, um, I was talking to Matt Richards a little bit about you. He let me listen to some of the songs that you're working on. Uh, hopefully that's, that was cool. He was like, you got to check this out when he found out I was interviewing you. And uh, it, it sounds awesome. Uh, and you're doing, I, I think your website, what is it? Folkabilly? Is that, that what, you, that's what you call it?
1: Yeah, I've called it folkability. Sometimes I call it like um, soul country. Like, I, I don't okay. really know I, what to call it exactly. But. I
0: can see that. Listen, listening to some of your tracks on Spotify. I could see that like there that little bit of soul underneath there as well. But I and I also I had talked to Jillian, who's a huge fan of you. Uh, she's like, she's so awesome. And but she told me you were touring in a rock band before as well. And, uh, and I was like trying to put that together, all the tracks I listened to. (laughs) And so, so you got a little bit of rock, a little bit of country, a little bit of soul, everything kind of mixed up in you.
1: Right. Yeah. When I was growing up, my, my dad listened to a lot of classic rock and my mom listened to a lot of country and I just loved all of it. Like every music type that I was exposed to, I loved it. Um, I really dug Motown through a lot of my teenage years. And um, my dad took me to a Bruce Springsteen concert that totally changed my life. Like, it was just, you know, <laughs> I've, I've got a lot of influences. It was, it's good.
0: That's awesome. How long did you do the rock thing?
1: Six years. So I started my rock band when I was probably 16. I okay. think. Um, We were called Emma, Joe and the poets down here for a while. And then we changed our name to just the poets down here. And then we kind of rebranded ourselves and we became 49 stones because we were doing kind of a progressive rock kind of a thing. Um, And yeah, I mean, it was fun. Like we had such a good time and we're actually, we're actually still talking and we're still making a little bit of music together. We might be resurrecting, a few Forty Nine stone songs here pretty soon, so we'll, nice. we'll we'll see what we'll see what happens there.
0: So you're bringing the rock back. You're bringing it back. Yeah,
1: here. yeah. I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of interested in it. It's I'm I'm going through a phase. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. I, I've i always told people I really want to be in like a metal band because I do rock and like pop rock stuff, but I want to be in a metal band for like six months. Just get it out of my system, jump around, right? So like system of down kind of crazy stuff. So so I don't, I don't know if this is like your little detour back to that, <laughs> even though yeah. country seems to be, well, I say country, but uh, the, the, uh, how, how did you say it?
1: Americana. The, I, th- I think Americana. Really Americana. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing a detour. Uh, I'm always doing detours. I always thought similarly to how you want to get being a metal band, um, out of your system. I would love to have a party band, like, uh, you know, like a legitimate cover band party, like through the decades.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's where you can make some serious money too. I know some cats making some serious money doing that.
1: Yeah. You know, it might be so addictive that I just never stop.
0: (laughs) (laughs) then you'll have three bands and yeah it's that sounds like life's gonna get pretty insane but maybe you can just pull it off you can pull it off right
1: right (laughs) I already can't seem to keep my calendar straight so (laughs) it could be a problem
0: (laughs) now doing the rock band uh, where where was it that you decided you really wanted to go after this this Americana sound and Americana vibe
1: well so there was a little bit of a gap a hiatus in between the two so I stopped being in the rock band because mostly because I wanted to pursue my education I was going through another phase I have I have almost I'm almost finished with my master's degree in history um but at the time I was just starting my bachelor's degree and I was really getting into it and I was loving it um and so I wanted more time to focus on that, and the band was the band was like, you know, it takes up a lot of time to do that kind of stuff. So um, I was just in a different phase of my life, and I took kind of a hiatus from music in general. And then a few years later, uh, I just started having this, you know, you know how it happens when you're a musician—you start having ideas and you start having songs in your head, and then it snowballs. And I decided to start playing acoustic gigs just kind of for fun. And then that snowballed into, well, I'm going to make a record now. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> You're like, oh, I'll just play around and no, let's get Let's get for real. Let's put this yeah, thing out.
1: Go hard or go home.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, now you started the band at 16. And for what I was reading, you've been performing all the way since you were like four years old. So yeah. that that has just been a part of you, it sounds like. Now, when you were four, was it like performing for your family or were you actually like going out and doing like recitals and those kind of things? What did that look like at that young?
1: It's really funny because my mom gave me some like home videos from when I was a kid and I watched them. And I realized I had this impulse to entertain from like <laughs> such an early age. I You see me as, as like a three-year-old begging my dad like film me i'm gonna do a song and dance now and <laughs> so definitely at home but i also yeah i think i was in my first talent show like on a real stage in the little city fairgrounds area um when i was like four
0: years old so wow yeah That's i
1: awesome. was i was totally ready to be in front of people
0: <laughs> <laughs> you were ready to rock it and I was now so what's curious though because it seems like that music and the performance like you said has been part of you now you're also getting your master's in history like where where did that passion start for you or is that there as well as a young girl
1: yeah i mean i think i always had an interest in history i always liked school partly i think because i'm a writer and so um i liked opportunities to express myself through writing and i i got some of that in school um but Yeah, I I always liked history and I thought, um, you know, it's a different kind of intellectual muscle. Like I, I think I go through phases in my life where sometimes I'm feeling like I want to flex the creative muscles and sometimes I want to do something different, flex the research muscles. (laughs) Um, So I don't know, I guess, I don't know if I'm a weird person or if I just, I think I really believe that artists don't have to be one-dimensional i think artists can have lots of different interests and do lots of different things um just creative people in general i think our lives are richer when we explore different aspects of ourselves
0: absolutely it it seems like songwriters uh benefit like the best songwriters tend to have a very eclectic like world i I was talking to the the, i i'm i'm kind of going through a heavy music phase again so i was talking about maynard from the band tool and Mm -hmm. i was i was sharing how i I don't know how much how familiar you are with him but he has like three different bands and then he also started a winery and then he started like a restaurant and he like and he has this documentary where he's talking about his passion for wine it's blood into wine and for those listening you have to go find it i don't know where you can stream it now i streamed it on netflix but they took it off (laughs) but um and i can't i really can't find it anywhere you have to like buy it and it's like a collector's edition kind of deal oh, wow. but it, it, to me it was fascinating to to hear him talk about this because i've loved his music but then to hear him talk about soil and about how soil impacts the the character and the notes and wine, i was like this is nuts but i think like like you said it's like it, it makes someone completely uh, like five dimensional six dimensional like it just adds all these different layers that then when they approach their writing Uh, they can paint, I think, more beautiful pictures in in that way.
1: Absolutely. I totally agree with that.
0: How do you see your your journey on studying history right now? How do you see it impacting your writing, your craft?
1: Well, I think it's going to be one of those things that I don't know until until I'm doing it. You know, I definitely have noticed a slight difference in my songwriting style since I've been in graduate school. For one, I I wrote more. I wrote more after starting graduate school. And I don't know exactly why, because you'd think it would be the opposite.
0: Right, with all that extra time you have.
1: (laughs) Right, yeah, you know. (laughs) I was super busy. But the minute I started graduate school, I started becoming very interested in writing a lot of songs. And I think it was because I was just writing more in general. And when you're creating things, I think... We tend to have this idea that, well, I have this pitcher full of creativity in me and I'm going to pour some of it out and then I have to wait for it to replenish and wait for inspiration and wait for this and that and before I can pour more out. But I really think it's not like that. I really think for, for creatives, the more you create, the more you create. And that was certainly true for me. I was writing a lot in in graduate school, and I started thinking about, you know, just the the process of writing and the aspect of creativity and and how you make it happen. And I was reading a lot, and the more I read, the more I write too. So um, you're actually
0: taking something reading, else in and growing.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I was reading so many books, and they had nothing to do necessarily with creativity. They were about like. You know 19th century paleontology but just the more <laughs> <laughs> the more words that you input into your brain i feel like the more you can t- put out as well
0: right that's a great point because like i notice in my seasons where i i tend to be more structured in writing and i whenever i'm more consistent with that it's like a snowball effect where it just keeps keeps going and keeps going then once that stops It's like it does if that's when it feels like everything dries up. But then when I do that, then all of a sudden I find myself, you know, writing down on napkins, you know, some line or putting on my notes on on phones, kind of popping up there Um, for. So with you writing more and obviously studying a whole lot, what does your process look like right now? Like are do you schedule it or is it a thing where, you know, it's like 10 o'clock? You just got done studying. Now I feel inspired. What's that look like for you?
1: Yeah. um, I don't schedule it. Sometimes sometimes I go through a season where I'm, I'm really trying to, like if I'm definitely working on an album or a set of songs, sometimes I will schedule and I'll try to write some every day. But right now I'm not scheduling. I just try to make a little bit of time every week, make sure I'm creating something each week, you know, and I don't put a whole lot of pressure on myself as far as it has to be a song or it has to I have to finish a song or I have to write this kind of a song. I just kind of try to make sure that I'm spending at least a little bit of time every week creating and I have no other kinds of creative talent I can't draw I can't I can't even cook. But
0: (laughs) I feel like that our oldest son, he cooks like everything for us. Like if, if if, like tonight, (laughs) tonight we had steak for dinner and I went in, I, he was like napping on the couch. I was like, Hey, do you want to do the steaks tonight? But he was like, so tired. I was like, I'll just put it in. It won't be as good, but I'll just put it in. (laughs) Well, that's, that's a. <laughs> nice, you
1: have a kid dude that's able to do that.
0: It's helpful, uh, but he's about to go to college, so I don't know how we're going to eat after that. We'll, we'll have oh, to see. Oh. So. but
1: <laughs> <You're gonna have laughs> to way, I struggle at
0: that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, I don't have other kinds of creative outputs necessarily. Um, except for I do a little bit. Of, I dabble in graphic design a little bit. So I okay. try to. I try to create something every week, and sometimes that's a song, and sometimes it's. A song in a genre that I would never put out but you know (laughs) I just think I just think it's important to keep your creative juices flowing and so um I just I don't know I I try to make sure I'm doing it pretty consistently
0: that's cool yeah I it's funny like songs that I would never perform I just wrote a country song like it just kind of came out as a country song so i'm not a country artist in in any way Uh, and at least i don't think so so i sent it to a friend of mine who is actually a country artist and he's like hey let's write this together it's like yes please help me because i i'm way out of my realm in this (laughs) but but even that i when i used to be with a band it was like everything was about a very particular sound and i think as a solo artist i feel a little more freedom to explore different Vibes, different sounds. I do love the Americana thing. Like Jason Isbell, right now is a huge influence of mine. It's funny. I'm listening Great. to Tool and I'm listening to Jason Isbell. <laughs> um, it's a, a strange combination, but but it's like that vibe. I love it now. I can explore it a little bit more and have that freedom uh, a little bit. So now for you, are you have a band that backs you, right? Mm-hmm. But are you, do you consider yourself a solo artist or is this like your band band? This is your people.
1: So um, I consider myself a solo artist because I say I have a band, but really it's flexible as far as what players I use. I've been fairly consistent over the last couple projects about the people I'm using, um, but I, I want to keep that freedom to bring in new folks and, and bring in new instruments and especially um you know in the studio like this time i brought in banjo whereas last my nice. whole last cd didn't have any banjo at all um but i thought for these couple of songs that i've just recorded um queen of the silver lining and same moon um
0: which comes I out thought, like this friday it
1: would be cool.
0: right sorry okay yeah you no, queen of the silver lining comes out friday right it
1: does it does yeah, now
0: this comes out three weeks from when we're actually talking. So it'll already be out there, but I'll definitely link that out. It's a great song. Everyone listening needs to go listen to it because it's killer. Thank but you. Anyways, back to <laughs> where you were at.
1: Yeah. So, um, so when I play live, and that's not very often because of coronavirus, <laughs> but right. um, I'm hopeful that this summer, I'll be able to schedule at least a few full band shows, and I'll be able to bring in some of my hired players and say, you know, this is gonna be a full band Emma Jo performance. And that's always really fun for people who follow my music because I don't do it very often. And so it's like a fun event whenever I'm playing full band on my original solo material, because I do a lot of solo acoustic performances.
0: That's awesome. Um, Now the banjo, you sounded very excited about that. And <laughs> did, for for you, was it like, I'm going to put this real stamp of Americana on it? Like, or is it just something you've always wanted on a record? Yeah.
1: Um, I think there was an element of the, I want to, I want it to be Americana. or I want to make sure that it stays in that arena. Um, Cause Queen of the Silver Lining, especially, took a little bit of a turn. I mean, it's, it's a little bit darker feeling and, uh, it's almost kind of alternative in it, in the way that it expresses itself, but the, the banjo came in and just grounded it and it just sounds so cool. And my, my banjo player, uh, Julie Bennett Hume, I sang back up on her last record and then she came in and did banjo for me and she brought a 100 year old banjo. And I, I was like, nice. history nerd, I'm, I'm freaking out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did she tell you the whole story? So, you know, the the whole, the whole vibe of that, that banjo.
1: Well, it wasn't, I mean, it's not like it was in her family for a hundred years or anything. Oh, but... <laughs> not,
0: as, not as cool. <laughs> it's <know>. just old.
1: <laughs> but I did love it. It was, it was awesome.
0: And you, what you should do is make up a different story about it each time you play and just see which one sticks. I don't know.
1: That would be great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, I know you worked with Matt on uh, the, these last few tracks. And I was just curious about, and well, one reason, the last several interviews I've talked about the value of working with a producer with several different artists. And I was curious about your, your journey of working with a producer and what you enjoy about that, what the challenges are of that
1: love working with a producer i highly recommend it (laughs) um and that's for a lot of reasons one of which is you know i write a song and i have a vision in my head of maybe what it's eventually going to be i have a general direction um but i'm not one of these artists that like i have a full production in my head of i know exactly what i want I know exactly what the end product is going to sound like. And so for me working with Matt, I know that he's a creative person too, and so it gives me that much more creativity to add to the to the mix and he has a, you know, a different perspective. And so I was able to come to him and say, "All right, so here's these songs. First of all, help me figure out which ones I should actually record." Um and he can he listens through and says, "Okay, I think this one's a winner." Um, but then also I said, here's some production styles that I like, here's some music I'm listening to lately. Here's kind of what I'm going for. And these are the artists I want to be playing on the same stations as, and, you know, help me come up with some ideas of what would be cool here. And he knocked it out of the park. Of course. I mean, Matt's amazing. And he brought, he brought elements to it that I wouldn't have thought like, you know, just the way he tracked my guitar, my acoustic guitar, you know, we tracked it in like two different octaves. I mean, it was just, he did cool stuff that I would never have thought of. And that's because he has experience and um, knowledge that I just don't have. So I loved working with him. Can't wait to work with him again in the future. He's awesome.
0: Yeah. And I think producers like they they can also just see like it's like they're they're out of the mix they're not personally married to the the product if you will like I know like for us we we're constantly writing these songs often very personal songs but they can see things maybe we can't and did you find was was any of that process challenging or like I'm not sure if you worked with producers in the past as well uh, but at any point working with producers did you find any challenges in that
1: The only thing that can be challenging, I think, depending on what kind of person you are, is um, when when you're an artist and it's your baby, sometimes it can be hard, I think, for people to relinquish like, but this is my baby. You can't do anything to it. Don't don't try to change it. Um, I definitely went through that earlier in my career but i think you kind of get over it (laughs) as as you do it more and more i mean i've been in the studio enough times that now i have kind of learned um if you trust the person you're working with that it's going to be okay and that was the thing that's why it's so important to pick someone awesome that you totally vibe with and that's what was great about working with matt richards because i immediately instinctively trusted him. I knew he understood what I was trying to say. And, you know, I never felt like, oh, Matt's going to try to take over this project and make it his own. <laughs> like, I never <laughs> got that vibe. And so, you know, we get along super well and we, you know, are totally mean to each other, <laughs> which is a great sign.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I, <laughs> that's, uh, the, Producer that worked with my last band, uh, his name is Josh Gleave. Like he he started out as a producer and became just a really good, still to this day, a good friend of mine. And and that's how it was. It just got to a point where you become so close where you're like, yeah, that sucked. Try it again, you know. And no but no one's feelings are hurt. It's just like exactly. like he he was like he was like, hey, that's cool if you want to just uh, never do anything with music again. So why don't you try to <laughs> those kind of things? And it makes it like it's a fun vibe. My, well, I've referenced him. I referenced him probably too much. He's probably annoyed on this podcast, but my oldest son got to go to Nashville the last time we recorded with him. And he was just like cracking up, like watching us go back and forth. And, and yeah, and yeah. even today, like I was working with Matt and he's helping me on my next projects. And we spent probably a good chunk of it just talking about things that actually weren't necessarily part of music, but, and he's, he kept apologizing. And I'm like, well, dude, it like, what I've enjoyed is that, that connection with people. And then you, then out of that, that flows like a a good band, like probably the bandmates, like you said, you have so many people starting to be the same ones on your records. There's a trust there, a camaraderie, which exactly,
1: you got to build that relationship. And that's what, that's what we've been doing. I, I think I talked to Matt, like I talked to my two brothers.
0: (laughs) That's awesome.
1: (laughs) I'm like, shut up. Quit making the office quotes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of office quotes today. A whole lot of office quotes. And I thought I knew the office, but instead I realized I didn't because he knows some super deep cuts and people are like, who is Matt? And his podcast drops today, but <laughs> or okay, tomorrow. Well... <laughs> his podcast drops tomorrow. So if you're listening to us three weeks from now, go back through the archives. You can listen to his, his yeah. podcast.
1: Nobody knows the office like Matt Richards knows the office.
0: <laughs> I I'd agree. I have only known him a short while now, but I'd have to agree. <laughs> now for, for you, I was reading about, uh, songwriting has been a therapeutic process as well for you. Uh, you talked about, uh, the loss of your father, uh, to suicide and for, for you when you're writing, um, are there songs that that pour out of some of those places that you kind of keep for yourself?
1: Yeah. I mean, the song you're, you just referenced, um, it's called your story isn't over yet. For those of you who don't know, it's on my last album, brave. Um, and that song was not intended to be shared. Uh,
0: initially. So that was the one you were going to keep for yourself.
1: That was the one I was going to keep for myself. It was the most deeply personal song I have ever written. And I mean, I, I've told this story before, but I think it's worth repeating because it's such a part of the creative process and the, the cathartic process of just dealing with things that happen to you in life. I wrote that song like just a few days after my dad passed and I had gone to pick up a lot of his personal effects and his computer was sitting on my desk and some of his other things were kind of scattered around my writing room where I Was doing most of my music. And I just remember looking around and thinking, like, all this stuff should not be here. Like, it's just, it's not right. And then I started writing about all your things are mixed up and where they shouldn't be. And started writing and was just bawling. Like, every line, I was just crying. And every line, hurt to write. But I kept going because I felt like I've just got to get this out. Like, it's just got to come out. And afterwards, I definitely felt like this is a personal song that I'm going to keep. But I was a part of some Facebook groups that were like, basically support groups for um, people who had lost someone to suicide. And I shared, you know, a little informal recording of it for those people. And I started getting messages. Can you make this shareable? Can you make it public? I really want to share this with my friends and family and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, long story short is I ended up recording the song. I've gotten people who have reached out to me and said, you know, this is the song that I played at my sister's funeral. And, you know, it means so much to me. Um, You know, just, I've gotten, amazing messages from people all over the world and you know it means a lot to me something that I was gonna keep private has ended up impacting people and yeah. so I'm not sorry that I shared it
0: yeah well and then I, I as an artist and knowing uh songs that I wanted to keep to myself I can only imagine how much courage that took to to put that out there but it sounds like the impact it's making is well worth it yeah definitely well worth it and it it's it's interesting to me because it seems like it's the songs where we as as songwriters where we expose ourselves maybe the most which gets scary it's like there's stuff that i'll put out there that i'm like this is like scary like this is something that felt so personal but it seems like that's where people connect the most too
1: exactly yeah it's uncomfortable for us people sometimes ask me like do you like writing (laughs) and I've heard other artists say I don't like writing but I like having written and I kind of (laughs) identify with that
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that that's funny
1: (laughs) it's good Uh, authors say it sometimes too I and I identify with it because it's like writing is this painful process where you're you're putting your insides out onto paper and it sucks sometimes to to do but you know it's worth it because you see at the end you see what you've created and other people you know get to react and that's what making art is all about is is that interplay between you and the people that you're making the art
0: for yeah and it's funny because it's like the they have to it has to live out there it's like too many songs i there are songs that i end up just keeping but mainly because i don't think they're like marketable Same. <laughs> <in general. laughs> but but there are some where it's like i felt like it it did have something but i just didn't want to share it i remember uh there was a, a song that will probably i'll release in 2022 i'm i have my releases for this year ready uh, that's going to start come out and then 2022 is what i'm working out currently um oh. and there's a song there that when i i i dumped a bunch of songs to people i just kind of threw that one song in there and i'm like "Eh, i don't know that ended up being the one that everyone that was reviewing it was like yeah that's the one and of course (laughs) and and it to me i was like it almost it was a song that felt very vulnerable vulnerable and maybe even offensive to other people because of some of the things i was unpacking Uh, but and even some of the people they're like i don't even agree with the things you're saying but i can tell it's real And it's like, I think as a songwriter, that's, that's what really connects is real. Even if you, even if it makes you angry or hurt or sad, the real is what connects with people. So
1: yeah, people respond to authenticity.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, (laughs) uh, the, the last two questions, uh, which can sometimes take, take a while. So I want to give some, some time for that. Uh, but the live and create idea. Okay. So, uh, I, I'm curious for you. how would you define right now in your life living a great life?
1: So, for me, as an artist, living a great life to me is living a life where I can where I can create. I've created space for myself to create. Um, I do not buy into, <laughs> and you may disagree. I do not buy into the idea that artists should be starving. I do not buy into the idea that artists should be tortured um, in order to create good art or that we have to be mentally unstable. I just don't think that's true. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, certainly there are people who have struggled with mental illness and with, um, you know, being poor or whatever and created good art but I don't think that's a prerequisite. I think that artists can be happy and healthy and still create. (laughs) And so that is, that is what I am aiming for in my life. I want to have a life that is happy and healthy and in which I get to create the things I want to create without anyone telling me what to do (laughs) and to just keep doing it. And, and, I think we've touched on in this interview, like I'm almost manic in my, <laughs> in my set of interests. Like I just want to do what I want to like, do. Oh,
0: this looks good. Let's go try this. <laughs>
1: I'm going to go have a party band now. Okay. <laughs>
0: 2022 party band coming out. M- Joe.
1: <laughs> that might be my, my party band year. I'm not going to lie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, hell, all the parties people are going to be having because they can actually hang out. Exactly.
1: That, it's perfect timing.
0: It, it is perfect timing for that. But no, it's funny because I wouldn't have agreed with you necessarily uh, in the past, but it's something I definitely agree with you. Uh, but I was I was I had subjected myself to that mentality down to the point where like my story, I've dealt with depression, OCD and those kind of things throughout mm-hmm. my life to the point where I was almost afraid to take medicine to help because I was afraid I would lose my creativity. I remember having that conversation with my counselor, having that conversation with friends, and and but like now I look back on that as like, bro, you were insane. Like, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> like, take take this medicine that's going to help you, go through the process that's going to help you. And I think artists, at least for me, and I, I've seen it happen a lot. They would get it stuck in our heads like this, almost like romanticized idea of what an artist is. But I think art can come when you're healthy, when you're taken care of and you have stability. I think art can thrive in those moments.
1: Absolutely. I think it's the, um, it's like Vincent Van Gogh syndrome. We all think that we have to be Vincent Van Gogh, that we have to just like. (laughs) Because that sounds fucking
0: awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Cut cut parts of her body off. and
1: (laughs) We have to be, you know, completely immersed in. illness (laughs) illness <laughs> and right. in despair like we kind of i i think we've all gone through it a lot of artists no, i'm not going to say all but a lot of artists go through that where we think nope i have to torture myself because that mm-hmm. is how you create art and i just i think that there are there's more than one way to skin a cat
0: <laughs> yeah well and it's tragic too where i i love rap as well it's a it's a big part of my musical diet and uh, Juice World was an artist who was phenomenal. He was so young and he's coming up, but like literally all of his songs were about how he could not stop taking drugs. And then yeah. he died in an overdose, I think about two years ago. And DMX, who's 50, died of an overdose. He was still battling those demons. And it, the, that's where that self destructive behavior is like they get trapped in it. And I say, I can say we because I felt trapped in that same cycle. For you, I'm curious, what are some of the choices that you make? To make sure that 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 it your life is happy and thriving.
1: So, um, one of the things is, I've tried to give myself some semblance of financial stability by, yeah, I mean, some people think it's totally uncool to be a musician and to go to school and get a job, um, but I find that I am healthier and happier when I have some form of financial stability um, and when I can spend my free time as actual free time. And that's important to me because in my free time, I want to create. And if I'm putting myself in the position where I'm putting pressure on my creativity, like, okay, creativity, you got to give me a hit now. Like, <laughs> you got 45
0: minutes. It better be good.
1: <laughs> I I like to, um, Liz Gilbert uh, wrote a book called Big Magic and I, I read it and it's like my creative Bible. She says in it that you should create, you should like protect your creativity at all costs, like hmm. protect it, give it room, give it space, give it um don't put any pressure on it as far as like having to make your living for you um just give it feed it everything that you have in your in your free time and that is what I've tried to do I've really tried to make my creativity into this protected bubble of like you are my special thing (laughs) You are my little squishy, and (laughs) I'm going to protect you at all costs. Get back. I don't want to get burned out because I love music so much, and music, I want it to be the thing that I escape to, and it Mm -hmm. is right now, and so that makes me really super happy.
0: Well, I wish I would have had this conversation like ten years ago, because that I think it would have been helpful <laughs> to me. Because I definitely I went on the you know get up at five a.m. all the way till you fall fall I would like fall asleep at midnight tweeting, and then the next day get back up at like five a.m. I'm still tweeting, and and like there were so many good things that happened out of that season, but what it ultimately ended up was complete and utter burnout and almost financial ruin, and like I didn't even want to touch music. Like I was almost Done with it it was actually my wife who like encouraged me to like get back into it after that season because because yeah there there and that's why I keep thinking there has to be a better way and I think for COVID it, I think it slowed down a lot of artists I know it slowed me down and it was helpful to to think about like hey life doesn't have to be going crazy constantly non-stop but what was the name of that book again that sounds really awesome
1: yeah, it's an amazing book. It's called Big Magic. It's by Elizabeth Big Gilbert. Magic. Okay. Yeah, she's a, she's an author. Um, she wrote Eat, Pray, Love. So like that's how oh, a lot yeah. of people okay. know her. Um, right. But she wrote this book to explore what is creativity and how does it work. And I read it because I'm super interested in how creativity works. So um, it was honestly kind of life-changing for me in the way that I look at creating art.
0: That is cool. That might be a good season for me, too, because like I said, I'm pretty regimented and it, for me, it's worked really well to where I'm like, uh, you have an hour, write a song and then I'll do that for like three hours. And it just forces. But but even after a while, those those things began to get stale. So I had to, like, try a different method <laughs> for a while. And and so, like, that'll be cool. I have to check that out. Hopefully people uh, listen and will check that out as well. Now, like same realm creativity right now in your life how would you define creating great things
1: um well I try to look at it as similarly to how I look at consuming great art so we all know what it feels like to consume great art um and so with my music that's what I'm trying to do I you know, when I go to a Bruce Springsteen concert, there are certain feelings that are evoked. Hopefully I will go to another one someday.
0: <laughs> it's happening. People are starting. I saw AJR just, uh, do you know the band AJR at all? Yeah. No. They're a phenomenal band, uh, but okay. they just released, they're doing like limited shows with like, they have testing there and all sorts of stuff. And And they're like a huge band. So it's, yeah, it's coming back. It's coming back. Maybe a I'm little hoping- longer for the, for Bruce Springsteen, just because, you know, he has yeah, a whole fuck ton of people <laughs> in the audience.
1: <laughs> the but Sprint Center, yeah, yes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm trying to create, songs, music that will, you know, really travel through people's lives with them and change over time the way that I've experienced with music that I've listened to for, you know, now my whole life or, half my life or whatever um you know just that those things great art can really can really just become a part of your life and even with my own songs and I think you've probably experienced this too a song that you wrote a long time ago like it changes meaning over time right when you sing it now it's like okay that's it doesn't mean the same thing it did to me then um it's, it's different now but and I and I hope that that happens with people who listen to my music as well. So creating great art to me is giving people something to get through the day with and giving people something to travel through their lives with.
0: That's awesome. That's a really cool perspective. Um, I am curious you, cause you mentioned the Bruce Springsteen thing again. Uh, what was it that inspired you? Like, what can you think back to that moment when you were there? Like, was it the whole experience or was there like a moment that you were like, yes, this is what i'm gonna do this is me
1: yeah so it was 2002 probably um he was on the rising tour which was the rising um was an album that was a response to 9 11 and 9 11 was a formative moment for me i was pretty young and um really kind of cast a certain Power over my life I guess for for all of my teenage years and everything it was just something that really shaped the world mm-hmm. that I lived in and so um the songs that he was singing were responding to something that was so monumental in my life that it meant it just meant a lot to me I loved hearing an artistic response to something so huge and mm-hmm. so Part of it was the songs, but also I can recall at, towards the end of the show, I, there was like a, an encore and then an extended encore where they were playing <laughs> Kansas City. And I thought that was so cool. Like they were playing Kansas City <laughs> and then everybody walked off the stage and the piano player was still playing, like he just wouldn't stop. And so then they all just came That's back awesome. out and I was like, oh man, this is so cool. It's okay to have serious songs where you're writing about things that are devastating, and still mm. have a party, you know? I just, it's, that's life. And um, one of my favorite songs on that album is called Mary's Place. And it's about grief and loss mm. and a house party. And I, I just think that's the <laughs> way it is, <laughs> that is life. life. Right and there. so, yeah, When I when I was at that concert as a kid, I just thought, you know what? It's okay to explore all parts of life with your art. And that is what
0: I want to do. That's awesome. That's really cool. Well, let everyone know how they can find you and find your music.
1: So you can find me on the web at my website, music.com. And I'm on Facebook.com slash imajo rocks. You should be able to find me just by typing in imajo, J O. Uh, And then on Instagram and most of the other platforms, I'm at Vox Princess, V-O-X Princess. Um, Vox is Latin for voice, of course. So um, that's pretty nerdy, but that's been my (laughs) handle for years. So I'm sticking with it.
0: (laughs) You're holding strong on that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I always thought like, maybe maybe I'll have a pop project and I'll actually call my artist name Vox Princess.
0: There you go. And that, that'll be 2023 right after the party ban blows up and then the pop world comes. So. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, thanks for making the time. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Miguel. This was
0: awesome. Thank you for listening to the Live and Create Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The Live and Create Podcast.